Hey friends, welcome back to the What's Next Teacher podcast. I'm your host, Julie Warner, and I've got a really special rebroadcast episode for you today. I was recently invited to be back on my friend George Koros's podcast. George, if you're not familiar with him, is an innovative teaching, learning, and leadership consultant and speaker and has written a number of books, including The Innovator's Mindset and Innovate Inside the Box. And he's got over 20 years of experience as an educator, and he served in a ton of different roles all across K-12, and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I was first on George's podcast, The Innovator's Mindset, last year promoting my book, Failure Before Success, and we just had such a nice conversation, and I love everything that he's doing, so I was really excited to come back on, and we talk about a variety of topics of interest to transitioning teachers, but I share some insights about why I left the teaching profession and what I did after that and how that worked and what I'm doing to support educators who are planning on leaving the profession. There's a lot of really interesting content here that I think you're really going to love. And stay tuned at the end of the episode, and I'll give you some updates on what I've got coming up as well as what George has got coming up because he's got a special code just for our listeners. I'll let us jump right in. This is the What's Next Teacher Podcast with your host, Dr. Julie Warner. Here you'll hear from former teachers who have left the classroom for thriving careers in and outside of education to help you picture yourself on the other side and land the job of your dreams. If you're feeling confused about what to do next, stuck, or fearful about paying the bills, What's Next Teacher has your back. Now here's your host, Dr. Julie Warner. So there's a lot of conversations about educators leaving the profession and lots of reasons why that's true. And I, and I understand it. Right. And there's a lot of people talking about why that's happening. And what was really interesting about today's podcast was we weren't necessarily focused on that, even though it was part of the conversation, it was focused on, well, what could they do? What are some of the opportunities that exist for educators right now if they were to leave the profession and maybe leave it entirely, leave it a little bit, um, you know, maybe kind of do something on the side, having those opportunities there. And really how educators have these really incredible skill sets that people are looking for all over the world. And so it was, it was a really interesting conversation with Julie Warner Packett. Uh, she actually works uh, for the federal government in the United States. And that's something that she does currently, but she also created a, a, um, a company, I think it's called What's Next Teacher. And when I say I think it's, I know it's called What's Next Teacher. Uh, I don't know if it's really a company or a program, but it's actually uh, listed in the description down below. And she kind of talked about what are some of the strategies and how do we actually help support people that are moving from education into the other profession, so into new professions. So it was a really interesting conversation. And whether you are planning ever to leave education, maybe even uh, switch roles within education, I think there's a lot of value in this conversation. So I, I really hope you enjoy it. I think it was a really good um, thing to think about That's because this is a, a, on a lot of people's minds right now. So I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. 
Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. I'm actually lucky to have a revisiting guest. So someone who uh, has actually already been on the pat on the podcast, Julie, Julie Warner Packett uh, is joining me. And uh, Julie uh, had a really interesting career shift. Uh, I, I, when we first talked, she talked about um, moving from education, uh, doing be, becoming a data scientist, right? And do I do you say data or data? I know that's a weird question to ask. Yeah, I say data. Okay, data. I don't know. I don't know if data is Canadian or or data is Canadian. I don't even know which one it is. It's like, but I've never said Z. I always say Z because like nobody calls Jay Z Jay Z, right? So like oh, I don't true. know, I, right? So. Too much American TV for me growing up in Canada. So uh, I, I'm excited to have you back. And so, Julie, if you can just kind of reacquaint yourself uh, with the audience and, and basically t talk about um, the last time you were on, what you talked about, and what you're going to talk about today. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. Thanks so much for having me. I have been up to a lot since the last time I was on. I had come on to promote a book that I had out that catalog the story of 20 plus teachers who had failed in some way. It's a book called Failure um, Failure Before Success. Okay. Well, you're actually modeling the title of the book. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. go. Yeah, you're going to have a little stumble there and then you you figured it out. So you actually failed before success. There you go. Yeah, it had a, it had a different title originally that my uh, editors didn't like. So now I'm, now I'm in confusion land. But yeah, that was a really, really cool undertaking. Um, it was great to be able to get some of the teacher voices out there and to spread that message that, you know, teaching is not in a linear path from A to Z or A to Z, whatever you prefer. Right. And you, right. are <laughs> you are going to fail. And that's part of the beauty of it. That's how you figure out what doesn't work and it gives you, it gives you data. And you can use that going into the next time you teach whatever it is. And so, okay. And so that, so you're doing that, you're still working from the federal government. So now um, you're doing something, on, you're, you're still working for the federal government, but you also started taking on a new endeavor. And so, uh, and you actually moved from DC. Uh, you, I don't know. Can I say this? That you moved? Can I say that? Oh, yeah. yeah. You moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, and, and so you are, working remotely, but you're also doing something else. And so what is, what is that new thing? And, and I know when you, when you explained it to me, uh, I thought it was really relevant to what's going on with a lot of what's happening in education right now. Um, so what is that new thing that you're actually doing today? Yeah. I mean, like a lot of folks, my job went remote overnight. I had been, you know, reporting in person for a number of years and uh, teleworking on the side. And then all of a sudden it was, we're relying completely on this teleworking infrastructure we've got built up here and everybody's working from home while working from, you know, an 800 square foot apartment with mm -hmm. your husband that runs his own organization, right. untenable. We found out about this opportunity called Tulsa Remote and it's in an, one of the incentive programs where they'll pay you to move somewhere but this one's a little bit different because they're building a tech hub and there are all these different tech entrepreneurs here. And I knew if I came, I would have some of that support to be able to build my own thing. And the idea that I had been knocking around with for quite some time was support for teachers that want to transition out of the classroom. And that had come about really because I had so many people approaching me this was kind of an organic outgrowth, you know, people approaching me going, well, you were an English teacher 
And now you're doing data science. Did you go back to school for that? And you know, how did you do it? I want to do something different, or I'm curious about where my skills might transfer. And I had been doing some of that informally on the side, just coaching teachers, but I'm really interested now in scaling that because we're seeing, I think the newest piece of data that I saw from the NEA, the teachers union was 55% of teachers said that they're thinking about leaving. Right. And, you know, I'd love to know your perspective about why you think that stat has jumped up so high post pandemic, but that's, that's the reality of it. Yeah. And I, I, like, well, there's that, that, that's a whole like five hour podcast on why that that's probably happening. Right. Obviously um, there's just kind of disapproval of some of the stuff that's actually happening in education. People feel extremely um, over overwhelmed with a lot of the red tape that happens in, in their schools and things like that too. Um, a lot of people not feeling valued. I think, I think one of the, one of the reasons when I wrote because of a teacher, um, it was interesting because I don't know if you remember this, but there is remember that two week period where everyone loved teachers in the world. You remember that it was like for two weeks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And it was, and it was like, I remember that very distinctly because how naive I was. Cause I was thinking, Oh, this is nice. Like maybe the, the belief on education is now changing because people actually had to deal with it at home. And they start thinking different and appreciating, you know, how incredibly difficult it is to teach. And then the two weeks was up and then <laughs> we got everyone. And then it was like almost people were ma more mad at, at educators after the fact. So I think that's um, part of it, too. And I think there, there's a whole other myriad of stuff, too. But I, I think sometimes um, I, I struggle with the like there's definitely reasons why people are like, I don't want to be part of this profession anymore. And it's almost like looked down upon. And I actually think I, I'm, I'm like of the belief, if you're unhappy in your job, then go, just go. Like, I think that's part of it too, is that don't spend your whole life doing something that makes you miserable. And I probably have said this a million times that some of the best decisions I've ever made in my life were not accepting a new job. It was actually leaving one. It was actually saying like, Hey, this is, this is something that's better for me to kind of go through this process. So I think a lot of times, uh, you know, kind of the idea of like failure before success that we feel like, Oh, we like let down people, like we let down kids. But if you're in a space where you're not happy, that's going to translate to your students. That's going to translate to the people around you. And it, that's, that's where a lot of the, a lot of the issues come from. So that's why I was like really interested in kind of, you know, digging more into what you're doing, because I think there, I think there is, um, like, even when we were, I don't know, this has been something to share like, um, this generation. And I don't know, I don't know if I'm Gen Z or millennial, or I don't even know what I am. I'm like kind of wherever, like they're going to have way more careers than the, you know, the generation previously. So I don't, I don't see it as a, a negative. I, I see it as, you know, I think it's actually, it's a good thing that we have. And you have a lot of educators who have amazing skills that translate outside of education as well. So like, how, how are you like, is that something you're seeing too? Is that some of the things that they've done really well in education have actually led to some of these new opportunities? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, I agree, I agree with what you're saying. You know how it is if you've been on a PLC and you've got somebody that's not enjoying the work anymore, is burned out or whatever the case may be, it can soil 
and solely the experience of, of all the other teachers and your attitude and your morale. So I do agree with you that it's best to try something different, whether it's for a while or, you know, education will probably be there to welcome you back later. And, and that's been a huge issue for me as someone that does coach teachers that are transitioning is that they do need to understand that they are very marketable. Mm -hmm. We think because this is the way we do things in the education space that you need to have a degree that is suited to the role. And then someone's going to look at your resume and say, oh, they're checking all of the boxes mm -hmm. and they've got the skills clearly because they've done this before and they've got this degree and I want to hire them. And that's not the case. What you want to do is figure out what the employer's problem is and then demonstrate almost as a sales endeavor that you are the solution to their problems. And let me tell you, employers need people with communication skills. That's number one. And I hear this over and over because I, I talk to recruiters and I talk to hiring managers and they need people that can present and they need people that can lead meetings and they need people that know how to create written communication for a variety of audiences. These are the things that we're doing without even realizing it in as educators. But I think there are other soft skills too that we don't recognize always. And one of those that's really key is empathy. And teachers have this in, you know, multitudes. That's that ability to understand where people are and meet them where they are and to have people feel felt so that they're more apt to respond to you. And that's, that is invaluable in the workplace, but especially as we're talking about these 21st century careers and we're in the tech space increasingly, you know, when we thought, you know, as educators, we never thought that we were, you know, in the tech space, but increasingly it's it's really saturated with tech, right? And needs people that are proficient in tech. Wasn't that way when I was teaching, you know, even 12, 15 years ago. Yes. And so if you can demonstrate that you've got that ability to, to listen, you know, with empathy and to understand someone else, that's something that tech product designers need. They want to understand, you know, how someone's going to use a product or use a piece of software. And that's something that we're really great at. The, the, the idea, um, I, I think one of the, something when someone says to me like, Hey, I'm not really good with tech. Uh, sometimes I think, so you're not really good at learning because, because it's part of it. Like, like it's, it's pressing buttons. It's figuring stuff out. It's kind of going through that process. And you know, the, the thing that you said, like there, there's a lot of these skills that people actually have and kind of showing that you're kind of the solution to some of the problems that some of these organizations are actually, uh, facing. I remember when I wanted to go, um, to become an administrator, I talked to my principal at the time and I said like, Hey, like, how would you, like, I, I, I kind of want to redo my resume, um, to really kind of highlight some of the things I did. And she actually gave me, I remember this advice. It was, it was really helpful. She said, go look at the leadership quality standards. So those were the standards that all the principals were expected to meet in the organization. And I want you to uh, look at those and show how in your position as a teacher, you're already meeting those standards. And that was, and so basically the, 
like kind of like an old adage that we, you know, like we heard when we were younger is like dress to the job you want, not the job you have. Yeah. And it was like kind of like creating my resume to the job I want versus the job I currently have. And even when I was going through that process, I'm like, oh, I'm doing a ton of these things already as a teacher. And what that actually had that what that actually had proved to when I applied for those jobs was that I was a no brainer. I was already doing this. What you, the thing that you want me to do, I already am doing it. And is that kind of like what you're talking about when you're when you're connecting with teachers? I think you know, like they're, they're, you're already doing many of these things that these these organizations are asking for. Yeah, yeah. I think that speaks to a couple of things that I help teachers with specifically, and one of those is confidence. And if you do have that sense that you meet all of these specific targets or qualifications for a particular role, that's going to boost your confidence. But most of us haven't had the space or the time or the drive to sit down and map our existing skills, map our uh, education and experience to a set of job qualifications in that way. And so we think we it's a black box to us. We don't think that we're necessarily qualified, but we haven't gone through that process. So we may not know. And, you know, I also think that when we go into teaching, it's a calling, right? For so many of us, we do not think that we're going to do anything else. So as a teacher, I was not updating my resume regularly. I wasn't keeping a log of, of all of the things that I was achieving that might be transferable to other industries or other roles. I'm just settling in and trying to be the best I can at my craft. I'm not I'm not out there getting interview experience. I'm not even getting exposure to the full landscape of available roles and industries. I don't know. I'm over here in my little silo. And so we feel very apart from that and it it reduces our confidence. Well, the you know, often in education, we will look at organizations and businesses and we'll take their ideas like um one of the things that a lot of people know is like uh, genius hour or things like that. And that was by many people adopted from Google's 20% time. And I think that's great that educators are willing to learn from businesses uh, in in ways to, um, you know, improve what they're doing and teaching and learning. But I think the other aspect on the flip side of it is one of the things that I would love to see is how often do businesses look at what education does and try to learn from them. And like, if you look at the last several years, um, the ability to, um, the ability to be flexible and to learn new things in a very quick manner, something education does really well. Uh, honestly, the ability to do incredible things on tight budgets, like that's something even like Apple, the biggest, you know, one of the biggest organizations in the world, they still work in a budget. There's still like constraints that they work in. And I know that's like education seems to do incredible things with way less and doesn't mean we shouldn't fund them more. It doesn't mean we shouldn't pay people better or anything like that. But there's all these really important skill sets that educators could actually teach businesses when you're talking about, you know, leading meetings, having conversations. Right. And that's kind of where you're seeing this connection, right? Like that they, they, there is a ton of things that organizations can learn from educators and that will benefit that actually they've been asking for, but not necessarily having the people um, to be able to do that because they're not trained in the field of education. Educators, you've given so much. 
You deserve to feel respected, fulfilled, and supported. And you're more marketable than you know. Let's find the right fit for you for the next phase of your career. Visit whatsnextteacher.com for one-on-one career coaching, job application materials, unteacherizing your resume, interview preparation, negotiation assistance, and Julie's course, the 21-Day Career Transition Challenge. And now, back to the show. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I am always surprised, and I guess I shouldn't be, when clients come back to me after they've been placed in a new role and they're going, I'm so valued here. This is incredible. And I'm just doing the things that I did on the job every day and it's blowing their minds, whether it's, you know, being able to do some kind of concept mapping and figure out, you know, how to uh, solve some sort of problem. And that's what we're doing with students, you know, all the time. And, you know, this, this one client is doing, you know, fancy things with sticky notes to try to get the um, brainstorming and get projects off the ground as a project management tool. And we're just thinking, this is just, you know, teacher stuff. No, this is really uh, innovative approaching um, for a lot of these companies. And they, they really, really are shocked to find this kind of talent. So, so a lot of these, like, there's lots of opportunities to work with other organizations outside of education. I think that's really powerful. Um, but both you and I um, basically also started things on our own too. And I, I'm not going to lie to you. One of the things that I, I love is working for myself. Like I, like it is, it gives me incredible freedom to do things I'm really passionate about. It actually gives me freedom to say no to things I don't want to do. And I think that to me um, it, it is really important because I think a lot of times our mindset is that we have to go from one job to the other. But this is kind of, I don't know, there's a connection in both of what we're doing. You're doing this stuff. You said it. And I don't know if it's okay to say it. You kind of told me this is like a little side hustle that you're doing right now. But I'm sure that as it grows, that might, I don't want to say it to anyone you're resigning your job, but could eventually. And I had that opportunity too, where I was, I was given the opportunity by my school district to still work within my school district. I'm so grateful for that. And I hope they continue that because I think, um, a lot of times when we work part-time in our, our school districts, we actually work more time than what our part-time allocation is. Um, because we're very cognizant of how important it is the work we do in education. Yep. But like, how do you, how do you, how, how do you lead someone that maybe you know, does stuff on the side to not just go, I'm going to quit and hopefully something happens as opposed to like, Hey, like, is there a way I can like still do my job, but build a little bit if that's something they want to step into? Because I think it's, it is, there is some, I do like some security when, you know, I, I was so blessed to have that. And I know a lot of people are terrified to make that extreme jump. And I think it allowed me to kind of build connections and stuff like that, where eventually it was, it was easier for me to just kind of walk away from, you know, working in a school district. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's top of mind for everybody, right? Security. And I hear that over and over again about the hesitations that teachers have about leaving their roles, whether it's, you know, I've been here so long that I'm up here on the pay scale. And if I leave, I'm starting over. I don't get to bank that time. Um, You know, I think there's a few ways that I think about it. For me, I'm really enjoying what I do in my nine to five. It taps into a lot of you know, it's data science, but but it taps into a lot of what I did as a teacher that I loved, which is problem solving, working with people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also working for an organization that does international development. So it's a, it's a helping um, profession, you know, just like teaching is. I didn't know this was a path that was available to me, but, um, you know, this is something that, that a lot of the teachers I work with find too, is that there are sort of these reconfigured versions of the work that they do as teachers out there where they can have a channel for that kind of um, helping and supportive impulse that a lot of teachers have. But, you know, until I'm figuring out, you know, a, a career pathway that's going to fit my values, you know, what I'm doing now fits my values and I get to still work with teachers on the side, which is a huge passion of mine. I just think that teachers are extremely special people. I think people that sign up to do the sacred work of teaching are incredible people. And I want to be around those people. And so I've been doing that to kind of get my fix, you know, have this thing on the side. But if I'm, if I'm able to, you know, grow it and still, you know, hit all of the things that I hold dear, and I'm getting all of that from what I'm doing um, with my time and energy, then I'm great with it. But one thing that I have advised uh, clients that I've worked with to do is if you are able to, in your current role, start to build a portfolio or start to build a skill set while you're teaching that you're going to then take on the job market, I think that's a really good strategy. So let's say that you're looking for a role in um, UX or uh, you know user experience design, and this is where uh, most folks probably are you know aware of this, but it's where you're working to create products that suit what people's needs are, right? At a really basic level. So if that's what I'm going to be doing, I want to look at maybe 10 job postings for a UX designer role and look at what are the skills in all of these? What are what are the commonalities across these different job postings? What are they looking for? What am I going to need to build for myself in order to sell myself as a UX designer when I go on the job market in a year or whatever it is? Because so many of us as teachers are under contract, right? We don't really have a lot of flexibility of when we can leave necessarily. I mean, there are ways to get around that, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say use that time where you're getting paid. It's it's like double dipping, but it's completely ethical, right? You're doing your work, but you're looking at it in a way that is going to allow you to use that work as fodder for your po- portfolio skills that you're building that you can then take with you. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, I think as teachers, we think that we are sacrificial lambs and we're there to just give and you're not. You're you're there also to build your skill set, and that's totally legitimate. Yeah, and that the uh, it, it's interesting you bring up the digital portfolio thing because I I just this uh, this last week I was working with students all all week, uh, basically grade five to twelve, and one of the things I talked about a little bit of some of my journey and how I use technology, how I use social media was. Basically, I started my own portfolio and for the sole purpose of how do we build portfolios or actually understand that view so we can help our kids. And I, cause we were trying to do portfolios in our school and it wasn't really working well because we're like, we don't really know what we're doing cause we've never done this. So I actually said, yeah. I'm going to go first. And so I started it probably about 12, 13 years ago. And, um, and basically I saw like incredible value for myself as well. And then 
because it was really pushing my learning is making me really deeply reflect on what I was doing, really kind of capturing and thinking about like, what, what am I really good at? What am I passionate about? And that started coming out in this portfolio, but it also started opening up doors for me. And what I said, um, to what I said to the, the students, and I talked to them all week about this was that one of the really ultimate things that happened was I actually don't apply for jobs jobs find me because of my portfolio. And that's the ultimate. When you can actually create something where people see your stuff and they go to you and say, we want to like work with you, we want to do this, as opposed to you're using to apply for jobs. Now you can use it to apply for jobs as well. But I think that's kind of the goal. And so like, I'm going to actually, I'm going to do a little plug for my portfolio course. Um, I actually do a digital portfolio course and I'm going to actually give a little, this wasn't planned, but I'm going to, I'll give you 50% off with the code Julie, we're going to give you a, your own name, uh, name coupon. Uh, it will be in the link down below. And so you can get that too. Cause like, I, I actually work with a lot of people on building their own portfolios, um, as well. Cause I, I it is, I'm going to say this straight up. It is the most powerful thing I've ever done in my learning was create my own portfolio. It was like, cause it really pushed my learning and what we're doing. So here's like, maybe this is going to be a weird question and I'm going to, I'm going to end it on this one. Right. What if you're like, so successful at this venture and then just everybody leaves education what is the what is the negative of that like is there a negative of that is there a positive like right like what if what if everyone like what if everyone listens to this like yeah i'm out like i'm leaving like then what happens right yeah like, what, what 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 happens there well, you know what? I care more about teachers and students than I do the institution of schooling as it looks right now. I think it's pretty antiquated. We're still, you know, in a lot of cases having students show up in person, the brick and mortar model. They're all in a row. We're sitting there using that banking model where we're, you know, inserting the knowledge into their heads and then we sign off that they've got it and then set them about their merry way, right? This is not the way that industry is thinking about having, um, you know, learners or our students come in as workers, right? They're yeah. looking at things completely differently in terms of preparation. Now, they're not necessarily looking for degrees. They're not necessarily looking for a complete match to an educational background to what they're doing. They're thinking about, hey, we're going to have to retrain everybody anyway. We're going to have, we're looking for people that can have demonstrated through a portfolio or otherwise that they can do what we need them to do. And that's great. If teachers are feeling mistreated and exploited in their context, I don't want to tell them, hey, you need to be there for the kids. Right. I care about teachers' well-being, especially if you've given year after year so much of yourself. And I know what that, that feels like. And you are not being treated with respect by, you know, the administration or whoever it might be. There may be no firewall for parents to reach you and verbally abuse you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm more <laughs> interested in protecting people than I am the institution of schooling as it has looked historically. Mm -hmm. Maybe well, that, we need to change. And, and like, I actually think, um, like, I, I struggle with this a little bit. And I, I guess the reason I struggle with it, I think that, like, when people say to me, like, oh, like, our principal's bad, or superintendent's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but you all staying is kind of like, a, like, kind of saying it's okay. 
you know what yeah. I mean? Like part of that too is there, when, when we see a bunch of people saying like, I want out, I want to leave. And they actually do there. There's like some kind of, there's like a little bit of voting that's going on there too. And a lot of times uh, we don't see massive changes until stuff like that actually starts to happen. And if you are, and I, this is why I'm like really kind of passionate about this stuff. If you are miserable in your job, it will go trickle down to the kids and it'll happen in that space as well. And like when you were talking about this, uh, I remember, uh, I've, I've never talked about this. I actually remember when I was uh, coaching basketball in Canada uh, at a high school level and I was getting a lot of like, you should be doing this. You should be doing this from the parents. And like, I'm like, Hey, like this is volunteer. We don't like in Canada, you don't get paid to coach. Like you don't even get a per diem, a stipend, nothing. It's totally 100% volunteer. Right. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, like my kid needs more playing time, this, 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 this. And then eventually I was like, you know what? Um, if I'm going to get yelled at by parents, I'm going to go ref because they pay you to ref. And so I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm out. Like, and I actually, I, yeah. you know, I was that too. And I, I was like, and then I, I, it was interesting because I, I like loved refing. I actually became, I, I was good at it. And um, there was something about that opportunity is that, you can yell at me the whole time, but I don't have to see you the next day. Right. Like, yeah, there's sometimes, you know, and I know like there's some of that where you feel kind of disrespected, but then if you keep letting it happen, then it's going to kind of maybe continue too. So I, I think that it's not necessarily good for kids now. Like, um, there, there are, there are a lot of organizations that I've worked with too, that teachers aren't leaving and teachers are happy. And it's a, it's a huge reflection like when we say, um, sometimes we say the system and it's like, well, the system is made up of people and like people are making decisions and people are advocating and, uh, people are like filtering stuff that is not needed for teachers away from them. And like kind of some of that stuff. So a lot of times it has to do with like really good leadership. And I think that's an indicator too. So it's not just like that, you know, people, and I, I've shared this quite a bit, um, that it is way more important that people feel valued than they are valued because a lot of times we say they we value people but then it's actually not reflected in the actions and people feel that so if people are like looking for more information on the stuff that you're doing where can where can they find it yeah i am at uh www.whatsnextteacher.com and across all socials at the same title and I just launched a podcast called What's Next Teacher, where I'm interviewing teachers that have made the transition because I think it's the most powerful way to build your confidence is to see that it's been done, it can be done, and get a sense of what all the opportunity is out there that's waiting for you. I actually, hey, I got a podcast guest for you, uh, Yasmeen Robbins. She'd be awesome. So put awesome. that down. Okay. Love it. So, okay. I said I had a last question for you, but this is like, I know you're an English teacher. So this is like actually kind of an important question. Okay. So I already know we talked about what the title of the podcast is going to be, and it's going to be what's next teacher. Is it what's next comma teacher question mark? <laughs> is it, what is it? Tell me what it is. Cause I do not want to be judged. I don't want to be getting like English teacher, uh, issues on my podcast title. So what is it? What, yeah. What well, you know, what's I was next, a comma teacher question mark. Is that what it's, it is? Yeah, there's no punctuation, unfortunately. I mean, on the website, when I when I'm writing copy, it's it's got an apostrophe. But okay, I, I know that I know that for your I know that for your site, but for the title of the podcast, it's gonna be "What's Next, Comma Teacher?" Question mark. Right? 
I mean, no. it should be, but I don't, I don't do it that way. This is just goes to show that, you know, I was a non-traditional English teacher. I was a tech, tech nerd. So, you know, whatever you need to be able to, you can't put punctuation in a URL. All right. That's what I that's get. What I get more, I get more comments on my grammar than my ideas. Like, oh, you, you spelled bear wrong. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. okay, come at me. I'm ready. Right, right, okay. All right. Hey, well, Julie, thanks for, thanks for taking the time to be on the podcast. And, um, you'll see all the information that Julie just shared, uh, in the details down below. Uh, and so it, it's great to see you again. And, uh, I, I'm glad you're enjoying Oklahoma, Talsa specifically. Uh, so maybe you'll get, I know it's not, uh, Oklahoma city, but I'm going, I'm like Oklahoma city's got a good basketball team. I'm like all into basketball. So, uh, hopefully you kind of enjoy, um, all, all the things that Oklahoma has to offer. So everyone, thanks for listening. I hope everyone have a full day. Julie, thanks again for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much. Love what you're doing. Appreciate right. it. Take care. Hey guys, just a quick note to remind you to sign up for my email list if you haven't already. It's at www.whatsnextteacher.com. You'll find the form to sign up there on the website. And just this morning, what I sent out to our list is a Cyber Monday deal for nearly 50% off of an upcoming workshop, as well as the priority wait list for the 2023 21 day career transition challenge. And that is 21 days of content sent directly to your email inbox from yours truly. Videos and activities for each of the 21 days get you closer to that job of your dreams. I've got a couple more offers in the show notes that you'll want to check out. I am doing a teacher resume magic workshop with Out of the Class, one of our partners. If you don't know about Out of the Class, you really need to check them out. This is a brand new list of jobs, resources, and a whole community for current transitioning and retiring educators. What I really like about this is that these folks are super supportive and want to help teachers that want to stay or teachers that want to leave. And it's just a really good vibe over there. And they're just wonderful people. So please check out Out of the Class. You can find them by searching Out of the Class on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. So again, Teacher Resume Magic, that's on Monday, December 5th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this is all about how I recommend repackaging your skills and experience via the resume as you set out on this job hunt. So this is really great that it's a free webinar for you. And then on the following day, I'm offering my what's next um, for teachers workshop where you get clear on what you might want to do, what role or industry you might want to pursue after your time in the classroom. And then finally, I've got a special offer from George Koros. George is offering my listeners a code to get a certain percent off of the digital portfolio course that he offers, which I think is really useful for transitioning teachers because particularly if you're going into something in design or tech or some field where you need a portfolio, this would be great for you. 
So use code Julie, J-U-L-I-E, and you can see there in the show notes the link to access George's course. But digital portfolios are really important for leaders, for teachers. Um, We know they work well for our learners as well. So please check that out. It's a pretty awesome offering from George and really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Julie, check out whatsnextteacher.com or follow up on social media at whatsnextteacher across all platforms. Thanks again and see you next time.